influence on these three lives. Welcome, listeners, to the 35th premium chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Tommy Robinson episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Annie Kelly. This week's episode is a very special United Kingdom edition because we'll be examining the fascist playmobile known as Tommy Robinson, whose real name is Stephen Yaxley Lennon. <laughs> He's a far-right anti-Islam politician who founded the English Defense League, a totally not fascist organization dedicated to defending Europe from immigrants, specifically Muslims. If you're not British, Tommy probably wandered onto your radar when he got milkshaked multiple times in a week. This kind of tragic violence is unfortunately all too common these days. I remember a time when you could light the Reichstag on fire and blame the commies without getting milkshaked, but we now live in a dangerous world. Hopefully we can protect people like Tommy by making them wear plastic Tesco bags on their heads. Um, I'm trying to be solutions-oriented here, but but uh, the episode is brought to you by our UK correspondent, Annie Kelly. She's currently doing a PhD about anti-feminism and the alt-right. The glue that binds the QAA extended family together is clearly masochism. So, without further ado... Tommy Robinson with Annie Kelly. Hello there, beloved listeners. It's your friend from across the Atlantic, Annie here. I'm here to give you a very special segment, because over here in Great Great Britain, one of our homegrown far-right activists and a leading peddler of anti-Muslim conspiracy theories has recently been sent to prison. In Tommy Robinson's own words, he was... Convicted for journalism. And as a guest on Infowars, made an emotional plea to Donald Trump to grant him political asylum, saying he feared being killed if he stayed here. I feel like I'm two days away from being sentenced to death in the UK for journalism. On behalf of my family, we love the United States. I have no future here. It's inevitable. I will be murdered. I will be killed. My name is Tommy Robinson. Today, I'm calling on the help of Donald Trump, his administration and the Republican Party to grant me and my family political asylum in the United States of America. I'm sat here today before you to make my case of political persecution. I have been found guilty of what is the equivalent of exercising First Amendment rights. Well, Tommy, if you don't make it to Fox News, Trump can't see what you're doing, you know? He doesn't... <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> he doesn't know how to change channels. <laughs> he has that universal remote. It never fucking works. It's annoying as shit. Some kid programmed it, and now he just stares at it blankly. Yeah, it was like top-of-the-line top, top of the line technology like 15 years ago, and he just <laughs> fucking can't let it go. Now, admittedly, here in the UK, it's true that we don't have much of the same free speech protections as in the United States. But those certainly still seem like serious accusations. So now it seems like as good a time as any to do a deep dive into exactly who Tommy Robinson is and let our audience decide just how much trouble he and this country is in. Although Tommy Robinson is the name he's famous for, Robinson actually began his life with a completely different name in 1982. Stephen Yaxley Lennon, as he was then known, was born and raised by Irish immigrant parents in Luton, a large town in the southeast of England. For those of you not familiar with Luton, it's probably necessary to understand a bit about the town itself to understand how someone like Tommy Robinson gained prominence there. Luton was an old industrial town, particularly in car manufacturing. Most prominently, Vauxhall Motors set up shop in the town in 1905. During the town's heyday in the 1960s, the company employed 37,000 people, making Luton an attractive prospect for immigrants looking for work. In 2000, the company announced it was closing the car plant and with it, cutting about 2,000 jobs. Robinson's stepfather was one of those made redundant. 
I think this information is important, not so that we feel sorry for Robinson or excuse who he later becomes. After all, lots of people's dads lose their jobs and manage not to become violent conspiracy theorists. But because the Vauxhall closure symbolised what had been happening in Luton and other industrial cities all across the UK for a long time. A steady flow of immigration from countries like Pakistan and Bangladesh when times are good, and then the companies move elsewhere. Very little new jobs show up to take their place, and you're left with lots of underemployed or precariously employed young men looking for someone else to blame. Had Tommy thought about it this way, he might have realised he had more in common with the young Muslim men he felt so threatened by. He might have realised that the economics and social forces driving him to join some of Luton's most notorious firms, uh, which means violent football gangs, were the same ones driving a rise in criminal gangs in Luton's most predominantly Muslim areas. I want to talk about violent football gangs calling themselves firms. This is some cyberpunk shit. How the fuck do I not know yeah. about this? Did they prefer I mean, that than like hooligans or something? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I added that bit in because when I was when I first rewrote this, I sort of realized the Americans aren't going to know what firms are. They were like a big part of like 80s culture, particularly in, in the UK. You remember that kind of like uh, when it was really cool for kind of all the sort of British films about football hooligans and stuff like that? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of like a sort of revival, kind of like a bit of nostalgia for that. I thought but, yeah, maybe like... they watched um, the Tom Cruise flick uh, based on the, the novel, The Firm. The Firm. I thought it was cool <laughs> yes, and then happened, decided Jake. to name themselves mm -hmm. after that. That's what I would have done if I was in a street, street you, gang. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a listener who's been compiling the, the, the shitty movies that you mention on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, The Firm with or Tom the, Cruise. A great movie. Yeah, I, I think it's a good movie. It's a good yeah. movie and a good book. My God, Tom Cruise would play an amazing Tommy Robinson. He really They're both would. little Playmobil wow. mammoths. Wow. Yeah, oh my God, right yeah. Yeah, that should be his final role. <laughs> <laughs> and it should actually end with like an execution that is both in the movie and also real so that finally... Yeah, very avant-garde. Yeah, Tom... I, I don't agree with that at all. What I do you mean? You don't I, want to see him? No, I think... I hope Tom Cruise continue. I hope Tom Cruise outlives me. Tom so Cruise so Robinson. I, Tommy, so, Tommy Cruise. Tommy Cruise Robinson. <laughs> I'm jumping to a helicopter. I'll do all my own. I'll do all my own stunts. I, I fight my own mozzies. When you put these two pieces <laughs> of gum together, they turn into a massive explosive. <laughs> Needless to say, Tommy, in fact, does not see it that way at all. In his autobiography, which I have the dubious pleasure of having read, he meticulously documents every wrong ever done to him by a Muslim. But when it comes to his own gang past, he glosses over much of the violence. For me, not just with my interest in football, but with members of my family being part of a Luton Tarrant scene, I suppose it was only natural that I gravitated towards that gang. I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't exciting being in a big crowd of mates, uh, having a rut with lads from another club. I suppose I was a bit story-eyed listening to the stories, all the rivalries and fights and running battles in different hooligan outfits. Was it attractive because I was young and impressionable? Possibly. It sounded glamorous and exciting. These men belonged together, had a brotherhood of their own, had something special, unique to them. You should send all emails about this current accent if you are from anywhere near the United Kingdom <laughs> to Jake only through DMs on Discord. Do not send any emails to me about this. Excusing his own violent behavior while holding everyone else to account for theirs becomes a bit of a pattern for Tommy, as we'll see. But his life didn't look too different to many other working class young guys in Luton at the time. And what's more, things seemed to be looking up. He had a long-term girlfriend who he planned to marry and had recently qualified for a well-paying job at Luton Airport after training for five years as an aircraft engineer. 
Things all changed as he describes his first real run-in with the law when walking back home from a night out with his girlfriend. We came back home to Luton about two or three o'clock in the morning. And we were having a bit of a domestic. A bit of a domestic. <laughs> what? Oh my Wait, god. What? <laughs> oh, I was I was having a bit of a beating my beating my girlfriend <laughs> up in the street, mate. Just you know, one having an old beat. Having an old beat. What is it? Oh my uh, fucking god. I, sh- man. I should clar- I should clarify that like a domestic means like a row between couple couples, like a, a lover's tiff sort of thing in UK slang. Oh no, doesn't we mean, understand. Doesn't mean like fighting. <laughs> no, we understand that your entire island is it has brain disease, but it's, <laughs> it doesn't. You can't it, a domestic. Come on, come on. That's we were having a bit of a domestic. A bit of a domestic. A domestic. Oh, I as was, we walked I, home. I had a fucking kebab and a domestic. It was an argument, <laughs> nothing more. I was shouting, raising my voice, pissed up, and suddenly this <laughs> bloke appeared out of nowhere. His shorts and t-shirt, and he got in the middle of things. I never hit my wife in my life. I never would raise my hand. But we were arguing and shouting, and I suppose I was being a bit aggressive. I just call her the C word until she cries. The geezer told me to walk a different way home. And he said that he'd take her back to her mum's house. I was like, oh, fuck off, mate. It's none of your business. <laughs> I went to walk her home and he ran at me and tackled me to the floor. He accepted all of this when it came to court. Then he ran and knocked me down. And he got physical first. This guy, I mean, how does this guy rise to any level of prominence? This guy should be like in a small town... Uh, standing outside his local bar, just getting into random brawls <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, slowly becoming blacklisted from like every small pub. He's one of those dudes that has yeah, like... Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I would argue I would argue that is actually his secret to success. It's just like he's really, really happy to get beaten up in a way that a lot of like the far right, they're like actually a bit more cowardly. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my theory. He like just will take a beating and just like consistently go to prison. And that's like quite useful for a lot of them because most of them don't want to do that. That's why milkshakes and like water and stuff like that really pisses them off because there's no dignity in being yeah, doused. Yeah, exactly. That's true. You don't look yeah. tough at all. You don't look really like anything bad happened to you. You just look like a dork who needs to go home and get changed. And, and yeah. that that ruins his entire approach. Plus, I mean, he's five six. It's very easy to drop a milkshake down onto him. You know, sometimes Tommy yeah, is like I mean, he just you I find a Tommy in your legs at McDonald's and a fucking yeah, an entire milkshake falls over onto him. Like it's not. I don't think he was even milkshaked on purpose. I think it's just. He He's just that short. I bust yeah, my... he was just walking past. <laughs> I bust my head and I ripped my best jeans. <laughs> so that was it. I got up. Me bloody acid washed jeans. I got up in a foot back and got, the better, and got the better of him. The problem was when he went on the floor, I kicked him. I was drunk and I didn't do any physical damage, but I was just reacting to him attacking me. Uh, at that point, he got up and because I hadn't really hurt him, uh, he said, you're fucked, pal, because I'm a police officer. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> He's like, oh, I yeah, was Yeah, having... that's probably like my favorite line in the whole book, actually. Like, I think there's like just like a real like, I don't know, kind of like dramatic salience to that final bit there. I love that in England, maybe at, at any point, uh, this seems normal. I mean, I was, fi- <laughs> I was fighting with my girlfriend in the street, completely fucking drunk. Don't worry, I don't hit her. Then some guy was like, why are you being such an abusive piece of shit? I wrestled him onto the floor. It turned out he was a cop. I mean, like, this is yeah, not something I mean, that like, happens to most people. I know. I mean, what I really like about this is like, um, it kind of like feeds into another obsession of mine, which is like Reddit, the Reddit forum, Am I the Asshole? 
You've been listening to a premium episode sample of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. We refuse to allow corporate advertisement on our show. The goal is to be completely self-sustainable. For a fiver a month, you can support the podcast and get access to a weekly premium episode, plus all the ones we've already recorded. So visit patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month. Thank you, guys. We love you.